1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 15 says this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, though Jesus, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a sense where I, I feel like I'm fluctuating between two REM albums. There's that great album, Shiny Happy People. And I like that. Shiny Happy People is a great song. It's about giving love and giving care and, give, and just enjoying life. And yet in the midst of Shiny Happy People, they also then sing, Everybody Hurts. That there's no place to go, that, it, that it's desperate. And Michael Stipe is calling out, Every, everybody hurts. He wants to remind us that everybody hurts, so what? Hold on. And so if you're trapped in between those two things, that this, this ideal of wanting to be shiny, happy people where, where things go well and that the, that the world goes the way that you want it to go, yet you know deep down that everybody hurts, including me. And there's this desire to, to sort of cry out, hold on. Yet there's moments in our own lives that we think to ourselves, can I? And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, there are emotions that come. And because we want to be these shiny, happy people, we want to go, okay, don't, don't, don't get up. Don't, I can't, nobody can, we just got to, let's we'll put that over here. And yet when we do that, we don't have the ability to engage in those hurts. We don't have the ability to engage in that desperation. We don't have the ability to engage in the full spectrum of emotions that God has created in us, enabling us to know God and to know ourselves and to know each other. And so it is a time to grieve. But we do not have to grieve as those who are without hope. The first thing that catches me about that is it says grieve, that we are to grieve, that there is grieving. It doesn't say you shouldn't grieve. It doesn't say don't grieve. It doesn't say grieving is bad. As a matter of fact, it says grieving is good. You should be grieving. In a book about Walking through suffering, Daniel Lowe says this, Hope is only hope within suffering, not a flight from suffering, not attempting to bypass suffering. And so if we are to hope as, uh, to grieve as those who have hope, then we need to recognize that it takes grieving to be able to move to hope. It takes recognition of the suffering to move towards hope. 
because if we don't recognize the suffering, if we just try and paint it as something other or something that's happening around us, if we try to sugarcoat it or we like to give it platitudes and say, it's all going to be right, mate, then we miss the opportunity to actually move towards hope because hope springs from the suffering. Anne Weems writes in her book, Psalms of Lament, this, there is no salvation in self-help books. They can't help you. You need something beyond yourself. Our only hope is to march ourselves into the throne room of God and in loud lament cry out the pain that lives in our souls. That God is so big yet so intimate. That he's, God is so expansive yet so particular in pursuit of us. That he provides a language for us in our grief to scream out, to allow the pain that rests within our, whole, our souls, the disillusionment that grabs hold of our hearts. Psalm 13 says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. When we engage in that place of recognition that grief comes and suffering happens and there are bad things that take place in this world, there is bondage that grabs a hold of us, then we are clearly able to say, I need to engage with it. And so I want to caution us all not to try and numb it. Not to try and discount it not to try and look at the pain that we have in this world and say, I've got to find a way to push it off. Paul Tripp says this. Here's what the desire to numb says. I'm alone. No one understands. I don't have the capacity to go through this, so somehow I've got to escape. These are all lies. The minute I move towards numbing my pain, I am denying the most significant reality of my existence. I am not in this moment by myself. There is a God who is committed to being with me that promises that he will never turn his back on me in my moment of need. And yet we hear that, and I go, yeah, great, Paul, excellent. Where were you? And I believe God hears that and knows. And he responds and says, I want to take you from grieving without hope to grieving with hope. I want to move you to the place where you will know that I am walking with you. How do we move to that place? The first is that we trust. We trust that what he has done in Christ is true and will move to restore us. That God did not sit alone outside of this cosmos, outside of this world, looking in at all the destruction and think to himself, yeah, from a distance, that looks pretty bad. 
but instead he moved directly into it becoming man so that he could move as Jesus Christ to encounter our hardships in a way that we would never even imagine, even to the point of death on the cross. Isaiah 40 reminds us of this. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But when we hope on the Lord, he will renew our strength, and we will soar on wings like eagles. We hope in our grieving because we move to a place of recognizing that God himself has conquered death already. Not some mystical, magical way, but even yet still not one that takes away death eternally right now at this moment. How I wish that was so. I wish it was so that there was no death anymore, that the physical flesh would live forever. However, we know that because we are broken and we're turned on ourselves, there's this place of redemption that must happen that comes through Christ's death on the cross for us. And this is what Cosmo believed. This is what he would come and sing these strange songs. This is why he longed to be in this community. And I'm amazed at how in Cosmo's life and now in his death, he draws people from all over to join together to find place of comfort with each other. And we call out to you as Fremantle Church, do not grieve without hope. There is a place of hope. And it rests in Christ and his built community. Pam McCoyle wrote a book called The End of Hope, hyphen, The Beginning. And in it she says this, One of the gifts of participating in in community of faith in Christian community is the opportunity to regularly know oneself to be connected, related, belonging to a larger whole. Further, this larger whole as the body of Christ simultaneously mirrors and represents and embodies that which transcends and enlivens it. As members of Christian communities, we are called to discover ourselves anew, together, embedded within horizons of meaning and participation beyond what the eye can see. While the experience of community can include the struggle against the temptations of tyranny, control, and fear, the opportunities for hope available in community far outweigh the pitfalls of community. And I speak of this as one who has experienced traumatically the pitfalls. It is communities of faith that we find care and compassion, forgiveness, generosity, belonging, and fellowship. It is in communities of faith that larger narratives of meaning can be shared, nourished, and lived out. It is in communities of faith that a shared prayer, song, worship, and rituals can enable participation in a much larger whole of God's world and horizon of eternity. 
Communities of faith in their very essence exist to practice and feed hope. For communities struggle to hope in the face of endings. The most important practice will be discovered in communal rituals that help us embody, re-narrate, and reinterpret large horizons and meanings. Besides providing words to reinterpret and re-narrate experiences of loss, communal rituals can engage other senses, moving beyond cognitive and word-structured meanings to open up the imagination through the embodied actions. Claiming hope's hidden presence through communal rituals and collective worship, prayer, song, silence, affirm and participate in the mystery of God's resurrecting possibilities. See, one of the things that it says about hoping is not just that Christ took death and defeated it. It says that we grieve with hope because we believe Christ lives again. That we don't believe that the resurrection is something that didn't happen physically, not just some mystical thing, that in fact Christ rose from the dead, and in doing that he defeats death and the grave. And by doing that he sends a pathway for us to walk with him. And while at this moment, at this time, it seems shallow and platitudinal, and it's okay for us to say that, There's a place of deep faith that I know resided in Cosmo and others that are here that says, no, it is true. That there is life now and beyond. And even more than that, there is life better than I've even ever imagined. The difficult thing for us to wrap our mind around, and maybe it's just me, is to know that Cosmo had opportunity to experience that here. And yet there were moments where he did not see that. And so it's fair warning to us that we should constantly be moving towards one another in a way of living and beg this difference in my Americanness, <laughs> intrusive living. We have to be up in each other's lives pursuing each other well. Now, we also like to hide. We also like to make sure that everybody doesn't know the pain that we possess. And so we stuff it down and we put it aside. So that's the other reminder for us today out of this. If we're going to hope and grieve with hope, then we also have to be transparent with one another. So when somebody says, how you going, you don't say fine if you're not fine. You trust and believe that they're asking out of sincerity, that they're longing to be connected with you deeply beyond a physical presence, but something mystical and spiritual, something that's guided by Holy Spirit through Christ that says, I want to know you and love you and understand you. And not only that, I want you to know and love and understand me so that we can walk this world together because we know that while there are times that we're happy, shiny people, everybody hurts sometimes. And so we are given grace to walk within this. When Jesus experienced the death of his good friend Lazarus, he walked up to the grave, and even though Jesus knew that he was about to bring Lazarus out of that grave, And yes, I believe this to be 100% true and accurate. 
even though he knew he was about to bring Lazarus out of the grave. The Bible tells us in the shortest verse, Jesus wept. Why would the man who possessed all of who God was, the the one who knew exactly how the world was created and how it would end, the one who knew you before you were even born, the one who has a special name for you that is written on your heart that he longs to, why would that one who knew that he was about to call Lazarus out of the grave and when he said, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus would come forth. Why would he cry? Because he knows that death and destruction is not the way that it's supposed to be. Because he knows that death and destruction and bondage that we have is not what it was created to be. And that his very presence was the undoing of it, the starting of the renewing of it, the bringing back restoration and movement towards wholeness that God desired. And so here at this very moment, Jesus, the one who knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Lazarus was about to walk out, wept. And what does that mean for us? We can imagine him weeping with us. You see, Jesus wept, and in his weeping, he joins himself forever to those who mourn. He stands now throughout all time and space, this Jesus weeping with his arms about the weeping ones and says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He stands with the mourners, for his name is God with us. Jesus wept. Let me pray. Father, we sing a song here. God, we sing a song here that says you are good and all you do is good. And right now it's hard for us to believe that. And so we ask you to help us in our unbelief. We know that you loved Cosmo and that Cosmo loved you. And we know that on that day that he passed away, that affects us so dramatically, that hurts us so particularly, that across the world there were others that passed away and died. There are other marriages that broke up. There were other fractures that took place in relationships. We know that throughout all of those things, but in the particularness of here, we feel it deeply in that. And we say, why? And we question And so we give you grace and we give you praise and glory because you're big enough to handle that. You're big enough for us to curse at you and and wonder why. But help us in our unbelief. Father, as you've brought together this unique gathering of people that is Fremantle Church and added today in our midst all these great people that you have created and ordained to be here. Let us love well, let us pursue one another well, and let us walk in our grief with hope, knowing that you have brought resurrected life to us. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you'll respond by standing and singing. Mm -hmm.